Tabernate Talks, episode five. Welcome back. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we got some uh, a special guests here today, so I'm glad uh, you guys could tune in. Um, again, every Wednesday morning, 9 a.m., uh, check out our episodes. I have uh, some good guests coming up, but a, a very good one today. Uh, very sure good. Very, very good, right? So I didn't stress that enough. Sorry about <laughs> that. Uh, this is a guy that I'm sure you know. His name is, uh, he's not new. Uh, he's not a rookie. He's been in the Philly market since uh, 2018, I believe, right? Um, I actually started investing in 2014, but 14. licensed okay. in 18. So. Excellent, excellent. So uh, so he knows the market, he knows what's going on. He's uh, heavily into flipping and uh, renovating. Uh, so we're gonna get into all that. Uh, his name's Jordan Katz. going to give us some background of what uh, is going on in the Philly market today. And uh, Jordan, take it away on a little introduction for yourself. Sure, sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, of course, man. Um, yeah, so Jordan Katz. Um, bought my first house in Philly in Point Breeze over uh, 2014. It was a house that I've renovated with a friend. So I okay. actually swung a hammer first and last time. I'll wow. Okay. That. Yeah, he doesn't look like that kind of guy. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we um, believe him. Yeah, no, it yeah. happened. Right. Sure. We, we renovated the whole house. I ended up moving there, which was cool. Um, but um, yeah, just kind of going way back. I grew up in Bucks County. Um, so I grew up in Ben Salem. Um, went to Penn State. So... We are. We are, baby. Although they lost yesterday. Not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> Same story every year. Right, right. No playoffs, I guess? No, or is it? I don't no, think so. We won't get into that. So. But uh, yeah, so I, I was a finance guy, um, studied finance at Penn State. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to graduate in 09 with a finance degree. So it was a very tricky time to uh, have So a you could have gotten degree. in the mortgage business, really, if you Potentially, wanted Potentially, yeah. I ended up going to Wall Street. I was fortunate because I had um, a few internships at Goldman Sachs. I went there really? for a few years. Awesome. Which was cool, but, you know, not for me. Very, okay. very corporate, a lot right. of hours. Right, right. Um, but, you know, it was a job out of school in exactly. a tough market. Were you living in New York? Or? I lived in New York for two years. Um, actually worked at their main headquarters. Wow. So it was cool. Really good experience. Okay, but, okay. You know, it kind of teaches you what you don't want to do. Right, So uh, right. Yeah. Well, stockbroker's a whole different uh, ballgame. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I did that for a few years. Kind of always knew I was interested in real estate, but didn't know how to really enter the market, especially in New York. Yeah. So wanted to come back home. I just had a lot more connections in Philly, knew a lot of people. So ended up coming home, still didn't get licensed. This was 2012. I worked for a commercial real estate company for five years. Wow. Um, okay. So that was a REIT, a real estate investment trust. Yeah, they're big. Yeah. So this company was called Liberty Property Trust. Um, they've since sold, but they were huge. So we were essentially buying warehouses all over the country and selling off kind of vintage suburban office product. Cool. I was on the acquisitions team, which was great. Learned how to, you know, look at big deals and, and write offers on you know, $50 million warehouses, crazy nice. stuff. It was really cool. But again, it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. It was more corporate. Um, I just have this entrepreneurial spirit. Okay. So while I was at that job, you know, started exploring South Philly and that's where I found my first house in Point Breeze. So and Point Breeze has changed, I'm sure. Quite a bit uh, in 10 years. 2012 or 14 or and all that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. um, although things are still moving there? Or what do you, what do you um, see in Point Breeze? Yeah, I would say it's kind of like a fringe market, more you know tertiary yeah. in nature. So we have a lot of rentals in that area. That's where we started. So we def I think we have you know, 15 to 20 units just in Point Breeze. That's awesome. 
they do well. So like, you know, we have constant kind of tenant demand there and we yeah. have good tenants. Yeah. Um, we do really nice properties to make sure, you know, you take care of. Yeah, sure. That's what you got to do. Yeah. You and in, in turn, it, it works out great, right? We take good care of our properties, our tenants, and they take good care of us. Right. So, and the rent, you don't raise as much as you should or do or what's um, going on there. Yeah. We, we've never really raised rents crazy. Okay. Um, we try to keep it, you know, two, 3% at most. Okay. Good. In this market where we're at, we're probably not going to raise rents at all next year. Right. Just because we want to keep our tenants in place and happy. Uh, we did the same thing during the pandemic. It was tricky for everybody. Yeah, right. So, right. So you didn't do it then either. Didn't right. really raise rents. Um, and I'm just like, you know, what's that saying? Like devil that, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 Like, if our tenants are in there, we've known them for a few years, they're paying. We just kind of. Their state's good to stick with good people. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of uh, how I started. I did my first house in Point Breeze and then just was kind of buying like one or two properties a year. Nothing crazy while okay. I still was at my job. Mm-hmm. And then um, got licensed in 18 while I was still at my job and then just kind of talked to my wife about it. And I was like, look, if I'm ever going to take the plunge. Yeah, might as well do it now. Now's the time to do right. it. Right. And you got in at a good time. Yeah. Which is funny 18, because 18 was a good market. Which you know? which is funny because at that time a lot of people were like, I feel like we're at the peak. Yeah. You sure you want to join now? Right. And right. There's never a good they time. They had no idea yeah. what we were about to get into. Exactly. As far as the pandemic we had a market nice and run. all that. Right. We had a really good run. Yeah. So so uh, a few weeks ago I was in uh Jordan's office uh filming with uh, Jim Roach uh and the Roach team. Um great episode. Good guy, uh, really excited to have him on. Um, I was in the office prior to that. I met Jordan in there um, as we're working together too. You know, why, okay, so you got licensed in 18. Why Keller Williams um, and why the Jim Roach team? Um, what was the, I can see why obviously, because I was in there. Yeah. He's a monster and he's, he knows his business. He's a beast. He's hundred miles an hour and he's the kind of guy that I'm sure you want to work for and, and look up to as a mentor. Um, but, but why that move there? No, it's a great question. So, you know, when you, when you get licensed and you're kind of new to the business, I was fortunate cause I knew a lot of investors and wholesalers from that world. Yeah. Um, so through just like networking, deal finding, whatever, I, I met a bunch of realtors too. And, um, I remember talking to Jim when he was still, he had a sales job. He was just getting into the business and he was out there knocking on doors, trying to find me right. deals in Point Breeze. And right. then. He introduced me to Nick Gigani, who's also on the I team. I know Nick, yeah, yeah. And it was just a lot of realtors that were Good like. People. Young, young realtors, uh, hungry. Yeah. Right? Hustling. We all had the same mindset, and it was like, we're all kind of cutting our teeth, just yeah. learning the business. Yeah. But a lot of those guys had more experience than I did, but it also like socially, these were like my boys. We right. We became friends, so. Right. Um, and it's good to work with people that you know, right? People that you feel comfortable with. 100%. People that you can hang out with. It's not like a corporate thing like you feel. You know, when you go into Jim's office and see Jordan and these guys, it is laid back as can be. I mean, Love it's it. the kind of office that you want to hang out in. You know, there's, you know, it feels like just a, everybody knows everybody and everybody just uh, goes along with the flow. Totally. And that was my, so I actually only joined Jim's team a little, about a year ago. Yeah. Um, but I've been friends with these guys, like I said, for six, seven years. And I found myself when I was at KW Philly, he used to have an office where it was like Jim's team specifically. And I would just like pop in and chill with them, talk business, talk deals. And, and I was like, I'm gravitating more and more towards a team. Yeah. And I don't know, for me, it was just associating myself with a good brand, good people, people that I completely trust. Because in this business, you know, there's so many 
avenues you can go. There's so many different players, but like when you have someone you can completely trust, yeah. it's more of, you know, I obviously look to Jim and Nick and those guys as like mentors, but they're my friends. Too. Sure. So right. we just, we have a good time. And I'm sure and you're being approached by all the other big guys in the city as far as companies. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, to name a few, I'm sure compass and, and uh, cool banker and whoever else is in the city. Um, but you don't get swayed. It looks like you're, yeah, you're no. you stay the, the route and that's it. Yeah, I think uh, maybe to my fault, but, you know, I get comfortable somewhere and That's I good. kind of grow that. But Well, if they take care of you. For sure, for sure. And not to mention, like, obviously I talked about my relationship with Jim, but, like, a lot of the younger people on his team I got to know, and they started finding me deals. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, I was kind of mentoring them. So it was like this symbiotic relationship of, like, I can help with my experience, but they can help me. So, cool. And cool. as you get older, you know. I have kids. Are now. you getting older? You don't look like you're getting <laughs> older. <laughs> I just turned 37 <laughs> last week. So. There you go. I mean, that's, you know, that's as young as can be here, there right? Go. There you go. In this business that he doesn't, he looks like he's young. So let's go with that. All right. So let's talk about dime properties. Sure. Right. So this is where this guy shines. Okay. He's uh, you know, when we looked him up and said, we want to go an interview with him, we sold dime properties and we really didn't know too much about it. So, you know, we got, we kind of got schooled when we went on your uh, Instagram and things like that and saw how much deals you're really doing yeah um what, what made you start that and where where is that going in this market sure sure so yeah so uh kind of all started with the rentals like i said so it was like kind of buying one or two a year while i was at my job and then when i left i i probably had four units maybe five when i left my corporate job um and then it was just you know full go keep going gas on you know foot on the gas pedal 100 miles an hour so you know and he had the guts to do it yeah right so you know by far the hardest thing i've ever done there you go by far i mean I, there was i probably put it off for <laughs> 18 months longer than i should have um and you know it's funny you say that because a lot of people tell me alex you got to get involved in rentals and you got to get involved in buying investments and things like that and i'm like you i'm, I'm a little bit scared yeah. right because i don't do that right i can't swing a hammer um, I can't, uh, you know, I'm a mortgage guy, right? So I work behind the desk, you know, I deal with numbers all day. So, so I, it kind of worries me. I'm getting in on that and I, I'm not knowing what I'm doing. Yeah. But what puts you over the top to say, okay, I'm going to do it. I think I just took a look at my life. I was, I think I was around 30 at the time and was about to get married. And I just said, look, I don't have kids. If I'm ever going to take a risk, now's the time to do it, do it, you know? And I was reading for months and months and they have something called analysis paralysis where you can study deals and you know know it, the ins and outs of the numbers but until you rip that band-aid off and do it you're never going to learn right so you know i had long talks with my wife many sleepless nights and then eventually i just quit and uh was no turning back at that point i was like you know full steam full steam and i was still i had that corporate mentality of you know i was waking up at 6 a.m for my job i did the same thing when i was my own boss it's good yeah i had to i you had need to have to structure no doubt had to wake up had to work out, had to, you know, structure my day a little bit. Yeah. And it really set me up for, for success. So back to your question, like we were buying a few rentals here and there. And then in 18, it was just like. Now, did you take on a team under you too? No, it was just me. And I was doing everything at the, at the beginning. So bought a few rentals. And then I got up to a point where it was like, I had four or five deals under contract just from like, I used to walk the streets and like hand out business cards. And Good. Meet neighbors. And, right. Um, but I got to a point where I was buying all these rentals and I realized I was like, I'm going to run out of capital very quickly, very quickly. So one of those rentals, I was doing one in Fishtown. Everything I own is in South Philly. So I was like, maybe I should sell this one in Fishtown. Right. Start moving out a little bit. Yeah. Expanding. So I sold that one just to have some more liquidity. So now I kind of do this hybrid model of 
definitely like to hold some properties, but I also like to flip. So just as like an injection of capital into my business. Yeah. And then I funnel it back into the rentals and I'm still, you know, I do some realty work. I do a little bit of wholesaling, not too much, but that's more like, right. Right. Know, finding deals. You know, it's friends. funny that you said that you were out in the streets handing out flyers and things like that, you know, in, you know, in, in a market of 2018 and 19, you know, we had an office on Passion Gav and I was handing out, uh, putting, uh, postcards and people's windshield wipers going up and down the street to Love say, it. do you want to refinance or, you know, we have an office on Passion Gav, you guys got to come check us out. You want to buy something, you know, purchase a home or whatever it may be. And we used to just paper every week, the, everybody's I'm car. sure the neighbors yeah, love Yeah, they just love this, right? <laughs> I mean, I got dirty looks as I, as I went to my, left the office every day. But that was called hustling. <laughs> we weren't scared of it. And I'm not scared of doing that now. You got to go now. back there. Back to the basics, man. That's what it is, yeah. right? You got to work. And I'm not scared of doing that. And it doesn't look like you'd be scared of doing that either. No. I mean, you know, my business itself was very word of mouth grassroots. You know, I would meet neighbors. I would meet bird dogs. And a bird dog is just somebody who's... Yeah, I was going to ask you, what is a bird dog? So it's somebody who's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a bigger pockets term. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's um, basically somebody who's kind of in the streets, on the blocks, whatever it is, whether it's a block captain... Gotcha. Um, just somebody who kind of knows a lot of the neighbors and, and you got, you got them scoping out for you. Exactly. So one of my best deal finders was a, a guy, he did clean outs for me. So he would come in, take all our trash out or demo a house, but he was on the streets all day long, you know. Now, do they get a cut of the deal, I guess? Um, whenever they would find me something, I would give them a good referral. For okay, me. great. Um, and then I would always give him the business as well. So sure. it was Feeding each other. Yeah, we, we, I fed him a lot, but it was awesome because he's at the house. He's moving his trucks, talking to neighbors, yeah, looking for places to park. Right. He knew everything. So he, when he would hear of a deal or hear of a distressed seller, and when I say distressed, this wasn't somebody who I took advantage of. This was somebody who needed to sell the property quickly or there was one reason or another. They needed an easy solution, and I just wanted to be the first person they called. So That's great. That was it. That's I think that's, you know, you got to know people, right? Totally. If you don't know people in this business, you're not going to get far, right? Totally. The, the contacts and your book of business is going to, is the reason why you uh, succeed, right? Uh, a lot of realtors and, and uh, you know, investors and things like that ask me how I've made it through the market. It's your, it's your book of business, right? It's your contacts. It's who you took care of. Totally. You know, it's who you fed before you got fed, right? That is what it's all about. Yeah. Um, and, and not... Not just saying that happens on the investment side, right? Same exact thing on the realty side. Right. You know, a lot of guys on Jim's team that I'm training or guys and girls that I'm training, it's like, look, you need to just continuously follow up until when this person needs to sell or they're thinking about selling or their cousin needs to sell, you want to be the first person they think. Right. So, so follow up, follow up, follow. All that's the basics. And I've done that since day one. That was just my MO. I always, if I have a seller or a neighbor or somebody I, you know, think, could be a beneficial relationship. I will contact them at least once a quarter with just checking in, wishing them a happy holidays. You know, right. if there's something of value that I can find, like an article or something right. that you might benefit it them. them. Yeah, it's just a great way of keeping in touch with people and you know helping them, and they help you. It's a- now his deals are primarily in Philly, um, but we've been scoping you, and you've been uh, going to the main line a little bit, or trying to get to the burbs or yeah. things like that. So we're, we're thinking about moving to the burbs. Yes, yeah, right. And that's nothing against Philly. I just you know. I have uh, two kids. Trying to get out. Yeah. Right? I um, so one thing we're thinking about, and it's kind of what I did in Point Breeze, was bought this first house, renovated it, and learned the ins and outs of rehabbing a house. 
So I'm thinking about doing that for a suburban house that we might move to. When you mm-hmm. move, it's a little bit easier. Because it's you are invested in your own house. Yeah, exactly. And right. then you can refi in your personal name and yeah. hopefully get a more yeah. beneficial rate. Right. So I'm always, I'm a big believer of like, try it myself first. And if that model works, then I'm all for it. it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, suburbs is, it's a hard area to crack into right now, especially now, but obviously the demand is higher than ever. So we're, yeah. we're going to look at it. So what's going on in Philly, man? You, you, you see it on the street every day. You know, you, you told me you go to the office a few days a week, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm on the street every day too, seeing what's going on. Is it, is the mass exodus still happening here? It, is it, is it, uh, you know, have you seen any lightning up maybe, uh, you think the changing of the guards for the mayor and all that is going to help us? Like what, what, what's going on there? Yeah. I mean, there is, there's so many factors right now that's moving the needle one way or the other. Right. I do think it, it is like a pendulum of like, you know, people move out in droves they hear about the crime maybe and they get scared and they move out, but right. it'll come back. I, I'm a big believer in Philly. I think the restaurant seat in Philly is incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, no doubt about that. Yeah. And right. there's just, there's a lot to do. And there's, you know, I talked to my younger cousin who's, you know, in her twenties or, and I talked to younger people and they still want to be here. You right. Know? Right. They're not trying to go to Malvern and, and be an hour away from the city and have nowhere to go to dinner, nowhere to go to drink. Right. So they're like they're removed. From, yeah. From- and we look at our tenant base and they're, you know, late twenties, early thirties. Um, some of them have kids or newly have kids. So yeah, we see strong demand. I mean, the demand for the burbs is unheard of. Obviously the main thing in Philly, I think we got to work on, you know, is the crime and the schools. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this new mayor kind of can help turn things around a little right, bit. Right, right, right. Fingers crossed. And, you know, I think everybody's got to back her and support her. And, um, yeah, you know, hope for a better Philly. Like, we're all in this together. Nobody would benefit from the city getting worse. So. And do you see uh, maybe new realtors getting into the business? Or, or is it uh, quiet now? Like, you know, was it, feel, it felt like there were droves of realtors. Like, I would get lists of realtors that were getting into the business every week, Right. Keller Williams, yeah, big time, yeah. right? I mean, it was just like fifty more, fifty more, like it was just constant. Yeah, and uh, you know, it was a goldmine for us because we were like, wow, let's let's uh, try to market to more realtors, right? And it wasn't hard because they were just getting into the business left and right, right? You know, Compass and Keller Williams and just growing and growing. Has that died? I think so. Yeah, um, it's definitely slowing down. We're starting to see some realtors who are kind of part time or not doing a lot of business. They're, They're getting out, to leave the business, which. Look, I don't want to see anybody out of a job, never. But um, at the same time, I think it's good if other people are doing the right activities every day, like we talked about, following up, right, touching base. Right. They're just going to see their their stock kind of rise. You got to do the work. Yeah, but that's what it was in, in 2020, 2021. It, it was so easy. It was so much fun because it was just like. You put a listing up and you get multiple offers. It was fun. I know. It was easy. Well, the rates were 2% and 3%. Right. So we loved that. Well, the demand, it was like, there was so much demand and maybe it wasn't even real demand, but it was, you know, everybody's partying. I want to get in on it. Yeah. And and kudos to the people who did because they have a 3% rate right now. Sure. You said, but you know, those, those years, it was easy to make money and it, it was, uh, you know, not a lot of work. Now's the opposite. It's, it's much trickier you got to really double down on your efforts and you got to do the basics, the fundamentals. And you got to know your guidelines, right? And you got to know your, your, what you can and can't do. Totally. You know, right. So it's easy to say, yes, 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 we could do the deal. But guess what? 
that's not the case anymore. Like they were just closing anything. Yep. It, it felt in 20 and 21 and 22, like we were just now, you know, you got to really know your stuff. If you don't know your stuff, totally. you're going to, you're going to, uh, you're going to be really hurting. Uh, you know, I think knowing your guidelines and not as, as a realtor, I guess you have to know what type of houses can, can't pass financing, right? Like you guys get that front line where you say, should I even send the deal to Alex? Because this house is just not, can't be fine. Right. right. It's a gutted or it's a, you know, you got to know what you can and can't do. The problem is, is when desperation kicks in, in a market like this right. and you just want to try to do everything and you think, you know, I'm just going to throw it in there. Totally. That's a problem. Yeah. And I, that's a great point of just like, I'm a big believer of focus and yeah. really honing down on what I'm good at and where I want to be. So yeah. a lot of people will ask me like my rental portfolio is 98% in South Philly. And when I started, everybody was like, South Philly, Point Breeze, it's so overheated. You're not going to find a deal. Right. Because everything was overpriced. It was. But I just used that as motivation of like, look, I'm here. I lived in South Philly. I'm walking the blocks. I'm going to turn over every stone until I find the right deal. And I did. And I encourage my my realtor, you know, young bucks to do the same thing. It's like, you got to be an expert. You got to know these areas. You got to know the blocks. You got to know the comps. And you got to know the the competition. You got to see what's out there. And- that those are the people who are going to rise right now. I mean, it takes a certain realtor to be a realtor in South Philly, right? For sure, <laughs> for sure. Must I explain that? No, I mean, you know, you can't. You can't come from. You know, you got a lot of these realtors. Unfortunately, will come from Jersey and try to do Philly, South Philly business. Yeah, it's that, tricky. That's it, tricky, right? Uh, it's got to really know the neighborhood and know who you're dealing with, and and that's vice versa. You could be a South Philly realtor who tries to go to Jersey, right? And you're out of your realm too, right? Right. Uh, are you licensed in Jersey too? I'm not, no. Okay, so, so you're primarily PA. Yeah, so if I have a client who's looking in Jersey, I'll normally refer it out, okay. uh, which is great. Okay. Um, licensed in, in PA, so I do mainly Philly. Right. Occasionally, if I have friends or family looking in the burbs. I've never there. been this realtor who's going to like market to the masses and post all the time. It's more, you know. Well, you're running your own company too. Sphere of influence, right? Right. So yeah, friends right. and family, but um now I'm at a point where I, I can refer a lot of business to Jim's team, which is great because I know those realtors will probably service the lead better than I will. Sure. And um, yeah, it's just a great kind of tag team where we can help the clients together and it's a win-win, you know? So um, I ask this uh, every week. There's a few questions that I ask every week, but this is a big one because I think, you know, I got a lot of buyers that listen to this and watch the show. Yeah. So um, what are the top three neighborhoods right now in Philly? that you think uh, people should buy in. Now, I've, you know, I've taken a tally through the, through the five weeks that we've been through this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a couple front runners that I might think you might say. I might say something different. You know, you but uh, I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going <laughs> to let you do it. All right. Uh, but, you know, we want to know if I'm a buyer coming into the city uh, or I'm in the city already and I'm just going to relocate to another yeah. part of the city. Where am I going? What's okay. the top three, starting with number one? Okay. So I'll preface by saying there's different benefits for different neighborhoods, yeah. right? So uh, I'm a South Philly guy, so I'm going to start somewhere in South Philly. I'm a big believer in Pashong, Pashong Square. Okay, all right. Um, reason being, um, I love commercial corridors, right? So you kind of see what's happening in Fishtown with, you know, Frankfurt Ave, like the restaurants and bar scene is going crazy. Yeah. It's happening in Pashong too. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's amazing restaurants all along the avenue. Right. And I just... Definitely th- a hot spot. Yeah, I still think there's room to grow there. You know, you can find... Really nice renovated two-story properties in the high threes, low fours. Okay. Um, three-story properties in 
five, sixes. And so. you're still with decent people in a decent neighborhood. Totally. It's safe. There's great commercial. You can walk to Center City if you need to. It's very accessible. Um, the schools are actually pretty good in, South, in certain pockets, especially Pashunk. So okay. I'm going to promote where I live. Good. But I'm a big good. believer in Pashunk Square. Because they would um, run him out of town. Exactly. I think West Philly has... Uh, it's, it's, wow. I haven't huge. heard West Philly. Yet. Well, I'm an investor, right? So okay. I'm All thinking right. more from a, I hear of a, a ton of investor friends who are going out to West Philly, buying properties, whether that's, you know, single family shells or, or multis. Um, I still think it's more affordable over there. Um, how about living there though? Little living. Bit. I mean, there's certain pockets that are, you know, expanding and getting safer and safer. Okay. Um, All right. I wouldn't say, yeah, I mean, look, I think anywhere in the city, you got to keep your wits about you and be careful. But I think West Philly's got a lot of room to grow. I like that. Um, and there's okay. a lot of connectivity from the subway kind of coming over. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right. Good. Third area. Um, it's tricky to say. Um, I mean, I know there's a lot going on in kind of like that Maniunk, you know. Okay. Roxborough pocket. Right, right. I don't know a lot about that area. Again, I stick to what but I But you know. hear. Yeah, I hear of a ton of multi-units going up there. Um, obviously, they've kind of got their own commercial scene going on. So yeah. I think that's a good area as well. A lot of people aren't going to like this, but I'm, I'm very bullish right now on kind of that. I wouldn't say Fishtown per se. And, and I was going to say that, right? Fishtown is the number one answer. Yeah, everybody that loves That I've Fishtown. gotten five weeks in a row. Sorry, I said I was I bullish. Mean. I meant bear. <laughs> so I love Fishtown. Don't get me wrong. We'll it cut is, that scene out. <laughs> I love Fishtown. It's an awesome area. I love going out there. love grabbing lunch, grabbing drinks, whatever it is. Right. There are so many units coming to Fishtown and Old Kensington and Northern Liberties that it scares the shit out of me. Okay. That's fine. Um, I think there, there was this glut of just demand and interest that was coming. And a lot of developers purchased big swaths of land or warehouses and they're being built right now. But when you see... 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 units coming online, it's scary. Right. And what I'm saying is, like, this is more from my rental brain, my landlord brain. Yeah. But it, it makes me nervous when I see landlords not even finishing a building and already offering two months of free rent. Right. You know? You so, know something's going on. Yeah, and look, that's not to say, like, those areas aren't desirable or hot. But I think from a landlord investor perspective, it makes me nervous that there's going to be a lot of inventory that's not filled. Right. So, you know. I, mean, I like to sell Philly answer. Right, because I live in South Philly too. So there it is. You know, so this is the, the heart of the action here, and there's still deals being had here, and it's still good neighborhoods. Right, and we got like Angelos, cheese. Right, things, you, got you, know, you got everything. I mean, why, why would you want to go to Fishtown? Exactly. For what reason? <laughs> I love Fishtown. Though, yeah. I'm actually I'm flipping a house in Fishtown in a week or two. I'm optimistic. Phil Maisano from Jim's team actually found yeah. me the deal. Yeah. So he's going to get the listing, which is awesome, and hopefully we find a good buyer for it. I mean. The buyers in Fishtown are a little bit unique. They're yeah. very eclectic, but right. we design our homes for sale like to their needs. And we've, I flipped a lot of homes in Fishtown. I've had a lot of success. That's so, great. Yeah. Well, no, it's a hot good. area. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, people, they're trying to really build that up. Which, yeah. Which is understandable. Totally. Um, so we see you out and about in the town a lot, right? You're a guy that is, you know, he's a, he's a sharp guy. He's a, he knows a lot of people. He, uh, you know, networks. Right. Networking, I think, is the key right now to, totally. to try to um, get out there, get your face out there. Uh, I know a lot of uh, loan officers that shy away from that, uh, realtors that shy away from that. Uh, you know, they'd rather sit home and just, you know, try to make the deals work through a computer. And sometimes social media isn't 100 percent where you can get your business. You actually have to show your face. Oh, totally. You know, especially with the pandemic, it made uh, people a little bit lazy to go out and, and show their faces and, 
do things with other people. And I think that hurt, uh, you know, uh, the social aspect of, of going out. So we see you at a lot of events though, like you're continuing, yeah. right? I mean, how many events do you think you attend a month and, uh, how, how crucial is that right now in your business? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Um, I'd say at least two or three a week. And okay. that's not like a set number. I don't really have a goal, but, um, two or three a week. Right. So, you know, I'm in, I'm in bed at nine o'clock two or three times a week. So yeah. I can't, <laughs> God bless my wife. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I mean, got that's, young that's, kids. That's great. She watches them. Um, yeah. I mean, she knows Sundays I have free reign for the, the birds, you know, I go to okay. all the tailgates, but awesome. in real estate, there's a lot of real estate tailgates. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. Right. It's business too. It's yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, it's, an, this is a cool story actually, right when the pandemic kind of kicked off and was easing a little bit, I I'm on this big investor email chain and somebody was like, Hey, we've been cooped up for two, three months. Let's all go outside at the Sierra green. It was like an outdoor space in West Philly or university city. Yeah. And you know, I just remember being like, you know, I don't want to go to this. I probably gained 10 pounds the past few right, months. Right. I'm miserable. That's what happens you know, in networking. I don't right. want to get sick, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It was like right when the pandemic allowed us to like go out for the go first out. time. Right, right. And I was just like, I don't know. I had every excuse in the world. And I was like, you know what? I haven't been out in a few months. Let's just go. You know? Sure. So I went. Um, there was 10 people there. Kind of intimately got to know everybody like on a much more deeper level because we had like real conversations. Yeah. It was the first time you got to see people in a few months. Right. But where I'm getting at is I met this guy. He was a wholesaler. A week later, he posted this awesome deal in South Philly. It was a triplex. And he priced it well. And I saw the email come through. I was like, oh, dude, I met that guy last yeah, week. Yeah, I know him. Right. It was like the perfect opportunity. So I called him and he was like, listen, man, this is like a hot one. I must have priced it wrong or whatever it was. But he was like, you know, I met you. You seem like a great guy. So basically by going to that event, meeting him a week later, like he and I, he wanted to give the deal to me. That's basically. beautiful. And, you know. I, I had this relationship with him and we've been friends ever since. So not only did I buy the deal. And this is the, the event that he didn't want to go to. Exactly. Because, like, yeah. and I, it was just such a learning lesson for me of like, I met this guy, I found a deal from it, which is still a great deal. I still own this rental. And, um, all because of one networking, event. one event. And now I'm friends with this guy and you know, we're good buddies. Yeah. I think uh, the networking is the key to, uh, going to, and I, I'm you know, I, I'm not going to say I go to two or three event, events a week. That's yeah. a lot. Um, if you can get out there, especially with young kids, like you said, yeah, it's tough. Um, it is tough, but if you can get to a few a month, at least, I think, you know, you, you get your face out there, you meet people that you didn't know. And, and you're right. You fall into a deal. You didn't think you'd ever get. It's you always, know? I just look at it like, if I can go to this event and learn one thing or pick up one contact or phone, it's going to be worth it. And yeah. that's, that's networking 101. That's something that I've always done. Yeah. Um, this week, I'm, you know, like I said, I went to Penn State. I'm a big alum. So I went to some Penn State real estate event on Tuesday night. That's Wednesday awesome. Night. It was out in Conchahokan, but it was like same thing. It's right. Like, got to drive an yeah. hour. Yeah. But I did. And I met some contacts. I talked to a guy who gave me an attorney. So it was reference. worth it. I think there's always something beneficial that comes out of it. As long as you go and you put yourself out there. Right. You got to go. People. Right. You got to drag um, yourself sometimes. Yeah. But, and but that's then. not to say like those two to three events, like sometimes those are big events, you know, nights out, for, so to speak. Right. Sometimes it's just, you know, grabbing coffee with a colleague or, you know, I see a wholesaler doing a lot of deals and I just hit him up and, and I'm you like, do it. dude, right. I want to get on your radar. So yeah. We get coffee and that's, that's it. It's pretty simple. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if, if you, if you're not doing that in this market, then you're, you're, you're hurting yourself. Totally. Doubt about it. So there's no, I mean, look, social media is great, right? There is no better you know, relationship building than just getting 
getting in front of somebody, talking to them, getting to know them, and kicking kicking a few cocktails. Yeah, right. Too, you know? I mean, like, drinking is never bad when it comes to business, right? That's it. <laughs> we like the party. <laughs> it helps us all, right? I, I always say, if you're, you know, and this is my opinion, but if you're in real estate and you don't drink, then you know, I don't know how you're doing it. But you got to do it, I guess. Right? I mean, God bless those. People. Right, right. God bless those people's right. All right, so let's let's shift off to. You know, one thing that stands out with where you work in your office and, and your team and the way these guys roll is a whole different situation that I see in most offices right now, right? So, you know, usually with mortgage guys, we get a lead and, and we call it ourselves, right? And then we have to do all the follow-up ourselves. And most of them don't have assistance to do that. You know, I, the most successful loan officers have assistance and they have guys that are helping them call those leads for them and follow up with them and convert, yep. right? While they're out getting the big fish, the, the you know, the, they, they are building their business still. They're out networking, like you said. Uh, and then you have guys that are back on the team that are helping to convert, right? So uh, there's something that's called an ISA that they have in their office, sure. actually a few of them that they have, uh, where if you go into their office, this is a team of guys that are actually just sitting there banging the phones from morning to night. Right. I mean, it is just insane. And they're following up and they're, they're, you know, they're not afraid. And guess what? They're young. They're, everybody says, oh, well, young guys are afraid to talk on the phones. And these guys are not young, not these guys, <laughs> all right? Sure. These guys know how to make phone calls. They're not scared. They don't, they don't care if they are told no. They don't care if they're hung up on. Tell me about these ISAs. Like, what's sure. the importance and how successful is it to have them? Sure. You know, so so. Um, a little less than a year ago, that's, you know, like I said, I've been friends with Jim Roche for you know, years, but um, was kind of debating joining the team, was kind of scaling my sales business down a little bit. But Jim said, look, look, I've been thinking about growing this ISA division, stands for Inside Sales Agent. Right. Um, and basically the idea is like, you, have, Jordan, you have experience kind of hitting the phones, finding deals. Like, can we tailor that to training some younger guys or younger gals to hitting the phones, finding opportunities, whether that's deals that we could just- I mean, it's basically cold calling. Yeah, more or less, yeah. you know? Um, but the, the end goal is to find more business for, for Jim's team. So, um, yeah, and we have 40-ish, maybe even more agents on the team. So right. we, got, we have to feed them, you know? So the idea is um, it's me and Phil Maisano. We started it last year. Phil's a beast. He's an army guy. So he knows, I mean, and the best, the best part about Phil is he cold called me off my Instagram. That's how I met him. You're kidding. I man. swear. I said, and I was such an asshole. I mean, how do you, how do you cold call somebody? Off he was Instagram? just like, like what do you say? I, yo, dime properties. I see your, I see your properties. I see everything you're doing. It, your beautiful, you know, buildings, beautiful projects. I'd love to get on your radar and find you some deals. And like, you wow, know, I was I was really rude to him when he first called right, right. me. But then, as as every realtor or investor is when you speak to them, that's why a lot of these loan officers wind up getting out of the business after a week because they're like everybody told me no or right. don't have talked to me or right. blow me off, right? But whatever. No, but he he said all the right things. You know, he stroked my ego, told me about right. My, that's what uh, it's about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said my rehabs are beautiful, but he also said <laughs> the most intri intriguing thing was, hey, I can find you more deals, which he he has found me multiple deals. So. Became friendly with Phil through that. And then just through my relationships with a lot of people on Jim's team, we, we really started. It's a startup. I mean, we started this under a year ago. We have two young guys right now kind of hitting the phones all day long. All day. And the idea is like what I said earlier is we just want to be top of mind when people think they're going to buy or sell. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, and if we can relentlessly follow up over time, 
my goal is just plant a million seeds throughout the city and suburbs. And when those are ready to be cultivated, we're going to be the first call. But I think if you're looking to grow your business, like a lot of realtors right now, or actually, let's not say realtors, let's say a guy who wants to become a broker and open his own office and, and grow. You got to look into getting an ISA, I think, to, to grow your business, right? You need that guy banging. Like, same thing with a loan officer. If you, if you want to grow your business, you got to have that person yeah. who is willing to do the work that maybe you don't have time to do or you don't want to do. Right. Uh, and, and they can help grow the business for you while you're out, like I said, doing uh, what you need to do in order to grow further. Totally. Yeah. And I use that analogy of like planting seeds, right? Right. The more seeds you plant. It was the same thing, and this is a kind of a corny analogy, but like when you were in college, if you went to the bar and talked to a hundred girls, yep. you know, you, you, might, would, you, you might have a little bit of success. You may, you know, you may talk to one, maybe not so much. <laughs> if you have looks like me and him, yeah, you don't exactly. Have. <laughs> exactly. No, but where I'm getting at is like if, if the more seeds you plant along, you know, over the years, it just yeah. will just breed more opportunities. So, I mean, yeah. how much how much success do you think you guys have gotten out of that? Like, is it is it like a you know do you, do you gauge you know, yeah, we're, we're always tracking, you know, um, how many appointments our agents go on. Yeah. And okay. um, we're just starting to get some momentum where deals are starting to close. I mean, it's obviously a tricky time right now with well, finally know. talking to buyers and rates are double. So it's, right. it's tricky. Right. But we're training these guys to kind of overcome objections and just do the right things, do the basics every single day. And, you know, the, those are the people that are going to survive this downturn and come out on top. Yeah, I agree. The end, because know? they're they're hungry. And they're doing the right activities and they're learning how to work versus, like I said, two years ago, it was like, you didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to do anything. Yeah. And they would just fall in your lap. Exactly. Right. Which but is, now it's, it's fun. Which is not real work. We teach um, the fundamentals. We, we do a script practice at least once a week, but multiple times we'll just kind of role, role play and go over phone conversations and objections. And, yeah. and it's, it's, I'm learning a lot too. You know, I have my own kind of approach to sales, but everybody's different. And I learn a lot from a lot of the more, you know, senior people on gyms. Sure. So it's great. It's right. really, right. You really, got people to look up to too. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Um, so this, there's a multi-unit explosion going on in the city, right? That's all I get now. I want to buy a multi-unit. Everybody wants to buy a multi-unit, right? That's all I have. And I'm going to live in one unit, of course. Yep. Right. And then we're going to run out the other two or the other one or the other three triplex, duplex, you name it, quadruplex, they want to do it. Yep. You know, it seems like every other phone call is a multi-unit. Now with this new guideline coming out uh, next week, that's finally looks like it's passing through Fannie Mae, uh, where you could do 5% down on a multi-unit uh, you know, conventionally, yeah. which you never were able to do. It always had to be FHA. But then a lot of these properties couldn't be financed FHA because FHA is sometimes picky on what they like and what they don't like versus conventional. It could be a little bit easier to get the deal through uh, as far as if there's a problem with the property. Okay. Um, this multi-unit explosion. First of all, is there that many multi-units? In, I, I don't know where they're coming from. Yeah. It's it's starting to, I'm, I'm thinking like, what? You know, but there's a lot of them. Yeah. And uh, is that the new market? Um, I do love that strategy. So I'm a, I'm a student of Bigger Pockets. I don't know if you know Bigger Pockets. It's kind of this investment community where they do podcasts and books and yeah um and that strategy is called house hacking so basically the idea is like you either improve a property or you buy a property with multiple units where you can live in one right and, and then rent either the others. basically like subsidize your your mortgage payment so to speak or 
you know, if you're, if you owe two grand, maybe you only owe a thousand at yeah. the end of the month. Right. So it's a great strategy. And the idea is like, you don't have to put a lot of money down. Right. And, you do three and a half percent down or right. 5% down or whatever. Maybe. And your rental units of the other covers the mortgage building, payment, hopefully covers it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it is a great strategy. It's just in a great strategy in a challenging market. Right. Everybody's looking to do it. Right. You right. know, and then with multi-units, you know, there's another added layer of like, you're living with your tenants who might be above you or below yeah, you. So there's yeah. an, another layer there. Listen, with the multi-units, and I want to point this out uh, now that you're talking about this, and this is a huge thing that's going on. You know, this multi-unit is for primary residences, right? 5% down is not for an investment property, multi-unit, right? That's that's the things of 2008 and right. all that craziness when you did zero down and 5% down on a, on a, a multi-unit investment. That's this is a primary residence. Yeah. And the problem is, is what I think is going to happen is a lot of these people may buy these multi-units, you know, and use them as investments. Yeah. And and you got to watch because I, I'm getting a lot of feedback that there's going to be more audits coming. Yeah. Right. And there's going to be more checking up. You know, are you actually living in that unit? Right. Or, or are you just renting it out? Right. Right. Uh, just because you could do 5% down now, of course, everybody's going to say it's a primary residence. Of course. Right. So. I'm a big believer, like. And, but you got to watch yourself. You yeah. got to do things by the book because it's not worth it. Uh, and I just, you know, I don't want that over my head, you know? Right. I don't want to You won't be able to sleep at night. Yeah. Saying I'm living there and then posting it for rent and God forbid somebody comes across that. So for me, it's like, look, follow the guidelines. Do it the right way. Do it the right way. But I do think it's a great way to enter the rental market. Sure. The, the other thing is, I think you only have to live there for a year or two. Correct. So that's what I encourage like a lot of younger agents, aspiring investors what a great strategy, right? If you're in your early, mid, late twenties, you don't have kids and you can be nimble, move into an apartment, rent the other ones out. And then, Hey, in a year or two, you have flexibility. If you want to you move, you want to move, you move. And then you, you can always refinance into a, an investment property. If you want to enter in an investment property, do it the right way though. Don't do it the way that, because you're going to get that knock on the door one time right. and it's not a good knock on the door that you want to get. You know, it's, it's the kind of knock on the door that, you know, they could audit you and, and they could call the loan and, and, you know, a lot of them, uh, number one uh, problem right now in the, the meetings that we have is uh, uh, occupancy fraud uh, versus, you know, a lot of people uh, buying properties, saying it's my primary residence. This is not only multi-units. This is single-family single homes. Wow. You know, the occupancy fraud is through the roof where, yeah, yeah, I'm going to live there. And then they wind up renting it. Yeah. So yeah. it's not worth it. You know? Yeah. I always just, I have like this old adage of like, if it doesn't work on legal, you know, Legal bounds. so Because it's not worth one deal. Exactly. And you will always, like, it, if it's, again, if it doesn't work under the guidelines that need to work, then that's not a scalable, sustainable model, right? No. Like, maybe you could do this one-off and slip it through. Right. But is that really how you want to grow and, and start off your career? Be known in the business. Yeah. So, right. for me, it's do things above board. And that's not just on the investing side or, or purchasing side. It's do things the right way, ethically, and yeah. it, it'll come back. And yeah. that, you know, good karma is everything in this business, right. for sure. I got an important question to ask you. Sure. All right. All weekend, all I've been doing is pre-approvals for people. I'm going to make an offer. I'm going to make an offer. You know, get me the approval letter. Uh, Jordan's on my phone. He's saying, Alex, I got to get this thing out by two o'clock today because the offer's got to be made by five o'clock today. Offers fly in, right? How do you get an accepted offer? Nowadays, <laughs> right? What is the key to getting an accepted offer? I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I get the pre-approval letter over, right? I call the listing agent and say, Hey, I verified the person. They're good to go. They're solid. I'm sure you guys like that phone call from, of course. The, from the loan officer telling you that, right? But how do you get the accepted offer? You know, is it, you know, 
is it the cash deal comes first no matter what and you accept that uh, so forget about the people who are putting 20, 30, 40% down sometimes yeah. uh, with the 800 credit score and the, and the debt to income ratio of zero, <laughs> you know, but they still got in a cash offer. Like, you know, I think everybody viewing this needs to hear from someone like this because you see a lot of deals that go under contract, you know how they go under contract and you're a listing agent sometimes yourself for oh. getting those deals. Right. Yeah. yeah. So how does, how do you, what would be some tips of how to get an accepted offer? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I think if you're looking City versus suburbs. It's the tale of two, um, you know, two polar, different stories. Two polar opposites. Right, right. right. I, agree. I agree. Um I don't do a ton in the verbs, but you know, I think you with your offers, you gotta come correct and you know strong. And, and that I don't want to deject people, but like if you're gonna have a home sale contingency or you're gonna have a ton of inspection, like it's just not gonna work in the verbs because they're gonna have 30 other options to choose from. Right. You know? Right. In the city, it's the exact opposite. Um, I'm starting to talk to a lot of investor friends, sellers that are on the market. First off, we're at a tricky time of the year. It's November. It's only going to get worse for the next few months. So if I'm a buyer or if I'm a buyer's agent, now's the time I'm getting my buyers out. I mean, rates tick down a little bit. I know they're still kind of high, but this is the opportunity buyers have been waiting for. Right. So jump in now. Jump in now. I mean, sellers are more motivated than ever to turn their product pay off their loans. I mean, interest rates are high for investors. So if you think about it, they're paying double maybe, you know, that they were paying in interest every month. Yeah. Who's more motivated than somebody who's shelling out five grand, 10 grand, whatever it is on a loan. So I think the investor friends I'm talking to myself included, like I'm more motivated than ever to just get things off my books. Right. How much of a deposit do you think needs to be put down up front to make it feel strong? Um, that's tough to say. I mean, I'd love because that's see. a big one. Yeah, you know, I mean, you want five thousand down, you want ten thousand down. Should they do five percent? I normally like you know? to see five percent. Okay. And honestly, a deposit is so silly because you can get it back if you're a buyer and you protect protect yourself with the right contingencies. Right, right. So it almost means nothing. It's money that you're going to pay now versus a month later at closing. Right, right. So right. I always encourage people if they have the money and they're comfortable giving the deposit to do a little bit more as much as they can. Yeah. Um, okay. just other things. I mean, I've always been a big proponent of writing letters, trying to connect with sellers. Um, it doesn't work as much right. anymore, but, but it's I just worth think, a shot. you know, you put your picture on there and you write a nice letter and it's not kissing somebody's ass, but you really say like, look, I still write letters on stuff I offer on. Right. And that's investment properties. That might be a hundred thousand dollars shell in a shitty neighborhood. Right. But right. I'm writing a letter and I'm saying, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what you can expect from this transaction. Ease, efficiency, and a quick close. Beautiful. You know? Straight to the Put a picture the of me. I, sometimes I put my wife and kids on there because I want them to know yeah. who they're working with. I like you know? it. And um, we're a small family-run business, and I want them to know that. So right. I think that works for buyers, too. So okay. that's one thing I would encourage them. Um, you know. and, and the other thing I would just say is, like, now is kind of an unheard-of time. The market is really weird. I think just try everything. Right. If you can afford 500, but you see a house listed for six and a quarter, throw something out there, lob it in. You know, you might engage that person and, and get lucky. But do you have to offer higher right off the bat? I mean, you know, these people come to me and say, Alex, I need you to run numbers on a $500,000 house for me. Okay. I run the numbers. They come back to me and say, but make the letter 550. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just, well, I gave you the payments of 500, yeah. but now you're saying make the letter 550. Well, we got to come in at 550. Yeah. I think you know, in, the, I mean, in the burbs, you have to be aggressive. Um, no matter what. Yeah. 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 And who knows if that cools off? That's one of my biggest questions right now is like the burbs have never been hotter. You can't find inventory out there. Does that 
happen the next two, three, four years, or does it cool off and people kind of start coming back to the city? city a little city, bit? Right. I don't know the answer to that. That's my big question. Um, you would hope. You would hope. I think the burbs are a little bit overheated. I mean, I just hear of stories that are like, yeah, yeah, crazy, you know, and I think, again, the pendulum always kind of swings. And right now it's very aggressive. It's weighted towards the burbs. But yeah. I think city's got a lot to offer and it'll kind of even out over time. So I'm optimistic, but that's good. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, the people buying in the burbs, they're not too dejected because I know people are struggling to find houses right now because the inventory is terrible and as the rates go down the inventory will continue to go down totally right because you get everybody jumping in and uh you know like you said if these rates they're starting to trickle down is right like we're seeing it like i went from eight and a half to eight to seven and a half yeah and low sevens this week thank god and we saw some sixes on fha so that's huge and i think that is going to be they're coming off now i mean and they're not going to care if it's christmas they're not going to care if it's New Year's Day. They're coming out of the woodwork, man. And yep. They're coming for blood, and they want they want an accepted offer. Yep. And, I, and I think if you can strike it while it's hot at Christmas time and New Year's, do it like you said. Oh, totally. You know, don't wait to February, March when we get into the spring market and they're down at six percent, because then you got a problem. Yep. You know, and um, it's 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 just, it's you know it's cold out. People don't want to get out. Yeah. And yeah. but the people who are looking the next three four months are going to be the ones who get a great opportunity. I think. So if I'm a, I'm a real, uh, I guess the realtors, you said a lot of them are getting out, but let's say I want to pursue full time. Do I go with a, a Jim Roach team right off the bat or do I, uh, or should I just go it on my own for now? No, that's a great question. And I think I'm a good person to answer it too. Cause I started, I did five years on my own without a team. I joined KW Philly, but. But you gotta own. be a certain person to do it on your own. Yeah. A lot of these so. people need someone to push them. I think so. Right. I mean, it's, you gotta be in you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think for me, what happened was I was in corporate America for eight years, so I couldn't fail at this. Like I was motivated. We were thinking about having kids, and I was just like, "I will do whatever I need to do." To there you go. Work, you know, right? But to answer your question, I, I mean, I do think there's a ton of benefits from joining a team. I've just been on a team for about a year, so uh, the training you get, um, just the kind of camaraderie you get, and also just you feed off of each other, yeah. right? You tell each other your problems. The energy and just, right. yeah, it's all that, which is the mentorship you get. But a, a factor that uh, there's just a multitude of factors. But one thing, I mean, yeah, there's a, there, the training I get from just listening to younger people on the phone, coaching them or going back. So I think that is huge. One thing I didn't really realize was just the name and brand recognition I get from Jim's team is like unheard of. Right now, is that specifically that team name or is it Keller Williams? Um, Keller Williams helps, right? It's okay. like brand recognition. It's like Coca-Cola. Sure. Right? Everybody knows. Right. It. Know it. Yeah, but yeah. with Jim's team, it's like, you know, I used to cold call and be like, hey, I'm one of the biggest buyers in South Philly. Kind of embellishing a little bit. Yeah, you know right. I mean? Well, sure. It's sales. Um, there you go. But <laughs> with Jim's team, like I can legitimately pick up the phone and be like, hey, we closed 20 million bucks last month. And you can you know? back it up. And it's real. Right. And I, I tell my younger agents, I'm like, do you know what I would have done to just have that arsenal and kind of repertoire behind me, it would yeah. have just been so valuable. See, it's so. the competence. Yeah. The competence level's got to be high, right? You got to go into it. And you got to own it. Right. You yeah. got to own it, man. You got to, I'm not scared when I call a, a, a realtor or a loan officer, or not a loan officer, a, a client yeah. to tell them that this is the way it is. I work for Green Tree. Green Tree is a big company, right? We've been around since, uh, you know, the, the 90s, the early 90s, you know, even earlier, I think. So, you know, we've seen it all, right? And I'm not lying. Yeah. Like you can see the numbers. 
the name is a good brand recognition, but you got that confidence in your voice. Totally. So that, so that's where I think if it were two, three years ago, I'd maybe say, try it on your own. You know, the market was easier. You could throw something in the wall. It would probably stick. Nowadays, you need that training. Sure. You need those reps with people who know what they're doing. You got to bounce ideas off each other. So I think a team is kind of the right approach. Um, And again, there's camaraderie, there's social aspects, which are fun. Right, right. That's kind of happy hours. Yeah. You know, things things like that. Yeah. But but it's good stuff. It's good stuff. All right. So we're going to go to the the, one of the final questions that I usually get every week. And, you know, it's the big one, right? What's going to happen? Right. So, you know, look into the crystal ball of 2024 and uh, it's prediction time. So, you know, what is going to happen? Every week I get a different answer. Yeah. You know, a lot of them are more optimistic than others. Uh, you know, my, uh, you know, I feel like it's going to be an optimistic situation that we're going into. And it's going to be a, a better year. Uh, a, a quick stat, the, uh, the NBA Mortgage Bankers Association came out with estimates this week that there will be more originations in 2024 versus 2023 that we have seen the yeah. lowest that we were going to see. And that, no, it's not going to be, you know, 10 trillion versus 2 trillion, but it's going to be, you know, let's say 1.5 trillion was closed in 2023. It's going to be about 1.8 or 1.9 trillion in 2024, which is a, is an uptick, yeah. right? Of about another three or four hundred thousand units, whatever it may be, right? So uh, in volume, so um, that is an optimistic approach to what we've been through. So we could have just we could have seen the bottom here, and we start to come out of it in 2024. But what do you think? Yeah, um, I think uncertainty is just the main driver of a slowdown, right? So when people see rates rapidly going up a quarter point, a half a point every month. Right. They start freaking out. Yeah. It's just, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. They're going crazy. You don't know what you can afford and it's scary. You know, I think people are starting to come to terms with, okay, that 3%, 2.5%. Never coming back. I don't know if I'll ever see that again. So I think that's probably a good thing. Um, I'm a little less optimistic than most. I think in our business, everybody's just like, oh, rates will kind of come down, demand will come back, and everything's going to get better. I don't see it happening in 2024 with rates kind of, I, I think five to 6% would be a healthy level. Sure. Which I know we're going to see again. We will. I think it probably will be in 2025. Okay. Um, that's my guess. Okay. Um, I just listened to, I think it was Lubert Adler on a pop podcast and he said survive till 25 so right right that's that, that's that saying right now yeah. survive till 25 right. now look, i see it all over facebook right survive till 25 I, I now do i think business is just going to halt for the next year and a half absolutely not right so there's still going to be deals being done 100 percent, and that's where i think buyers right now can be opportunistic especially in the city where you know maybe you lock something in at a seven percent rate but you get a great deal you save 50 grand 100 grand on the price and then when rates trickle down it makes sense to refi you get a better sure. rate so um, I think the people, I do think there's going to be a lot of people leaving the business. Okay. Uh, realtors, lenders. Yeah. Um, all the way around. Yeah. Title, title companies. Yeah. Inspectors, unfortunately. Totally. <clears throat> Everybody. Homeowners insurance companies out, it, you know. It's a bummer. I, I don't want to ever see anybody, you know, not have food on the table or lose their jobs. Yeah. But for me, as a competitive guy, I'm excited. Sure. You know, I want less competition. The best of the best more. day. That's it. So, what I'm doing is is going back to the fundamentals, right? I'm cold calling people again. I'm following up more than ever. I'm doing the basics Good. every single day. That's what you have to do. That's awesome. Know? 
I'm, I'm now, you know, like I said, I'm in my late thirties. I'm trying to connect with more young people than ever. Yeah. These people I know. are new, they're hungry, and they're, they're the ones who are going to knock on doors for me. Right. You know? Right. So I, I, you know, I didn't give you a great answer to that question, but I think the people who are doing the right things over the next three to 15 months are going to be the ones who really come out on top in 2025. In 2025. Yeah. And look, I, I do worry as a landlord, I'm very worried. I mean, I've never had trouble leasing my units and we're going on, you know, two months on some units that I can't get rid of. And they're beautiful units. They're priced well. Is that a sign of the times that they can't afford it? I think it's a little bit of everything. So I think inventory is up. There's a lot more apartments coming on. I think landlords, including myself, are doing whatever they can to keep their tenants in place. So whereas I might have raised rent a few years ago, I'm saying, hey, your rent's going to stay the same. So somebody who's in a, an apartment, they love it, or maybe they don't love it, but the rent stays the same. And they they're don't not going to gonna pay, leave. They don't have to pay two grand to move and right. upend their life. It's almost like the same people who have the 3% interest rates that are not going to sell exactly. right now. Because exactly. why would they want to sell to go to seven? Exactly. So I think from a landlord perspective, I mean, I'm nervous with just a ton of inventory coming on. So what I'm trying to do from my rentals, for my sales business, for my flips is just go in the extra mile and differentiate myself and my product. So cool. for instance, when I'm flipping, I'm putting extra money in as opposed to trying to save 10, 10 grand. So you, whereas I might've done a concrete backyard before yeah, yeah. I'm doing like a turf yard, you know, making it green, making it beautiful. It costs a few extra bucks, but nobody else is doing turf. You right. Know? Right. I might do, um, you know, backsplashes that are like full countertops, quartz countertops, whatever. Right. Just something different. So kind to of try to get people to, you know, get yeah, it. I'm just, I'm trying to make my product the top of the market, the best priced, the best quality product, whether that's a flip or a rental or, you know, my listing, I want my listing to show the best. I want to market it the best. So I think it's like all those little extra efforts and, you know, it's going to, I mean, is there going to be, is there going to be flipping and still going on uh, in 2024? I, you know, I, I see know. it. Uh, right. I mean, I, 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 I mean, demand will definitely be down, but there's always people looking for houses. I mean, you know, Philly is a very transient city. You got people coming from all over to work at the hospitals, to work in the restaurants, whatever. Yeah, so people yeah. need homes. And, you know, the way I look at it is even if demand is down by 90%, I'm still trying to find that 10% of buyers who want my product. Right. You know? So right. maybe I'm zigging while everybody's zagging, but that's what you kind of have to do. You know, I don't yeah. want to just follow the trends and shut off a big, a big income generator for yeah, you know, yeah. So. which is going to keep you going exactly to get to that 25 mark which yeah. you know it's going to be interesting i mean you know the the i think in the summertime we're going to see uh you're right by the summertime will you be able to even survive then you know uh if you're a good realtor and a good loan officer and a, or a good title company where maybe you know you're gonna you're gonna do what you can do to continue to you know grow and, and be optimistic but do the work yeah you know, do the work. That's really what it boils down to. Um, it's it's interesting because, like, from you know, from an investment standpoint, at least, I've been waiting for the market to cool off so I could find deals. Yeah, for years. I yeah, mean, yeah. I was bidding on stuff that was just an out of state person going crazy. It was just nuts. So, yeah. I do think there's going to be a ton of opportunity. I'm excited about, but you have to stay nimble. You can't just get comfortable and follow your model. You have to tinker with it. And, yeah, and that's the perfect like segue of like why I joined the team and why I meet with guys like you. It's like you talk to lenders, you talk to title people, you talk to them, you talk to everybody, yeah. see what they're doing, learn, right. Learn yeah. the environment yeah. and pivot. You have to do 
that in today's world. So that's what I'm always trying to do. And it's, yeah, I, I think we're going to see this guy in 25 though. He's not going anywhere. Hope he's so. not a, you know, he's a, he's in it to win it. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> no choice. There's no choice. Is right. So that's the thing with guys like me and him, there is no choice, right? You either make it work or you don't, you know, as a, as a new loan officer or realtor coming in, I tell him either you, you, you're all in or you're all out. Like yeah. I say that every week. That's like my line. I think now you're because it's true. You either make it work or you don't. Yep. There is no crutch. You know, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta go in and say, you know, I'm trying to build a family like you, like you did, or, or I have a house to pay for, I got bills to pay for it. It's gotta work. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this. Um, I wouldn't advise somebody young who's interested in getting into the business just to up and quit their job. Right. right. I think that's really silly and not thought out. I mean, I, I worked my corporate job after I bought my first rental for three plus years. Right. And the idea is like, I had that income to fall back on, but I was able to take a risk. Now right. I was rehabbing that house. I was going there at four thirty-five in the morning, working till seven, driving to my job, right. Coming home from work and then, you know, working on the house some more. And that's what you have to do. You have to sacrifice. Right? Sure. You got to work hard. And so, that's what it's about. But I wouldn't encourage younger people. Like if you're interested, dip your toe, meet with a bunch of people, you know, maybe try it part time. But eventually when you get to a point where it's like, you're, you're honing your skills. You know what you're doing. You, you have enough context. You got to rip the bandaid off. You have to go all in. You have to do that in life. You know, you got to take risks. There you so. go. I mean, listen, we want to thank you for coming on, man. Yeah. You, uh, you know, this is the, the, the information that we needed from a person like this. And, and this guy knows what he's talking about. Uh, he's been in it. He's going to be in it coming yeah, up. So, hope so, uh, you know, reach out to him if you're looking for a you know, maybe a renovation or a yeah. A, a follow, give me, give me a follow. You know, uh, look up dime, dime properties. My company's right? dime a lot properties. Of people, people don't know about that. Yeah. And uh, you know, so we we woke up to that. This is all that he's got his own company going on top of being a realtor and multiple other things going on at the same time. So. Yeah. And one last thing I want to leave everybody with Please. is like, there's a lot of negativity in the world we live in right now, right? Oh Whether yeah. That, at real estate and outside, but yeah. like, I'm a big believer of just like faking it until I make it in a way of just like positivity, right? So when I meet with investors, yeah, I'm a little nervous about what the market is throwing my way or what's to come, but I'm looking at it with an optimistic approach. And I think in real estate, you have to do that, right? Cause your clients pick up on that, your counterparts pick up on that. So I'm just trying to be eternally optimistic and hope things work out and they will because I work hard and you know, that's the name of the game. You work hard, you do the right things day in and day out you'll succeed. So there you go. Keep it positive. I mean, does it get any more positive than that? I don't know. I mean, that's uh, that's what we want to hear, but thank you for coming on. Yeah. I appreciate you. And uh, tune in. You got to hear this episode Wednesday, uh, 9am it airs. Um, We'll obviously have clips coming up too, for you guys to check out and I'll see you next week. Thank you again. Thank you guys. Good stuff. Bye.